You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with The Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with The Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul shows that from the beginning, the text of Leviticus imposes on its addressees that one must not place their trust or their hope in the priests, the priesthood, or the temple. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. In Leviticus chapter 8 and 9, we have the consecration of the priests, priesthood, and I made my comment regarding how the sacrifices obviously are the more important thing, and thus they come before the priests. But the last chapter of the consecration of the priests is interesting for us, which is chapter 10. Because the text tells us the story of two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, very ominous names. Nadab is uh, the offering uh, that you promise to God and you do it. And then Abihu means my father is he, so very ominous names. And yet, they offered unholy fire before the Lord. And in verse 2 we hear that the fire devoured them, and thus they died before the Lord. So already from the beginning, the text is imposing upon you that you not put too much hope in the priests, and thus priesthood per se. because they can err and mislead the people. And we have this reappearing in the teaching of the prophets that attack the priests of all temples, not only Jerusalem, but also of Bethel and so on. So it is important to hear this text functionally. And the reason is given in verse 3, that I will show myself holy among those who are near me and before all the people I will be glorified. And then we have the two other sons of Aaron in verse 6 that are asked to behave lest you die mentioned twice in verse 6 and verse 9 and their names are also interesting. Uh, The first one is Eliezer, Eleazar, which means my God is the real help. And then the second one is Tamar, which is where is Tamar, which is uh, the fruit, the date. The date as the fruit of the palm tree. 
And Moses addresses specifically these two, not the first ones, Nadab and Abihu, but Eleazar and Ithamar, to do what is supposed to be done by the community of the priests. In chapters 1 through 11, I'm going to bunch them together. You know, we have a long stretch of rules regarding the clean and unclean animals, which reflect the fact that God actually has control over all life. Remember, the animal is akin to us, and also it's some creatures that serve us, and we can even eat them. Now, to consider that these rules have actual value trying to explain why an animal is clean and the other is unclean is a loss of time. And uh, theology spent too much time on that with no reason because it doesn't hear scripture as functional. And I'm going to stress this in the following chapters where ultimately it is God's rule that differentiates between the good and the evil all the way back to Genesis 2. Meaning that you have no control over life and we're going to see this in more detail in the following chapters. So learn very early on to in the Sunday school put your hope in the children. Adults are uh, hopeless because they want to reason everything. And God said, forget about your reason in chapter 2 of Genesis. All this is to tell you, you do not decide which animal is clean or unclean, what to offer to God or not, out of the depth of your heart, as mystics says, say. You know, you offer to God what you decide to offer. No, you offer him what he asks you to offer him. He is in control of everything. If you don't accept this, then close the Bible and do something else. Go and enroll in a soup kitchen to help the poor. But don't stand there as though you are the ultimate locum tenens of God and try to explain to the people. Watch out for that. Watch out, and this is the calamity of all the priests and the pastors. They think that they are the reference. No, this is not what the text is saying to you. In chapter 12, we have a very interesting passage about the uncleanness of a woman that gives birth. Here again, what's the deal? I hate all the time, but you know, this is a blood that is pure or good. The woman is giving life. That's not the point. The point is, in the act of birth, there is blood that is shed, 
And blood is the domain of God early on in Genesis. So what is important is to hear the strictness of God regarding this matter. Meaning, there is no excuse. I like very much the statement in Psalm 103. Making excuses in sins. Sins are the theological explanations. Repeat after me. The ultimate sin is the theological explanation. There is no theology. Okay, the word theology does not appear in the Bible. What you hear is that God is speaking. This is not theology. This is his will for you to do and to abide by it strictly. So one more time, the blood is related to life, and I'm going to postpone the discussion of that later, because we're going to hear extensive texts again about this matter. In chapter 13, we hear about any kind of disturbance of life, and thus the sicknesses, the maladies, that do not reflect life as it is supposed to be, according to the scriptural God. And a lengthy passage deals with this malady that was very impressive in those times, which is leprosy, because it shows you the rottenness of your being, which is flesh. That is its importance. It's not that it is different than any other sicknesses. But it is, if you like, the extreme, the hyperbole of a sickness. That your life is eaten up completely. Okay, this is the rottenness of the basar, which is the basis of existence early on in the book of Genesis. And this chapter is followed by another lengthy chapter, 14, where we hear about the purification of the leper. You have 32 verses in chapter 14. And it is as though this is not enough, the second part of the chapter, which is practically as long from verses 33 to 58, about, according to us, silliness nowadays, which is the leprosy of homes. When your abode gets rotten, So one more time, you have to hear chapter 4 and make sure to tell your priests and the Sunday school teacher not to make any comments about it, just to read it three times to your hearing. And trust me, you will feel it in your flesh. And that is the intention of that chapter.
Chapter 15 is also very interesting because it deals with sexual uncleanness. Not only menstruation, but also ejaculation. Impressive, that chapter. This is a chapter which should be written in block letters and put at the entrance of every church. That would be the beginning of the hope that people would try to understand what Scripture is saying. We'll deal with it later because we have a more specific dealing with that. But it is here. And the idea is that it deals with life, meaning the propagation of life, that happens through the seed and thus sexuality. Remember early on in Genesis 1, we hear that God created man, male and female, he created them. That's a very irritating text to both males and females among the humans. Trust me, they tell you stories about it, but deep down, neither one likes it. Because it reminds them that the reality is ultimately in the seed, and hence the centrality of the parable of the sower that appears in the first three Gospels. And it is explained. It's a very impressive parable. So one more time to comprehend that, but I'll get back to it later because we're going to deal with it. And one more time, the reason is that the blood is the carrier of life as I shall say later the carrier of the individual life the flowing blood which is reflected in the pulse if you don't have a pulse then you are dead practically but the other aspect of life is the communal aspect And all of us know the importance of circumcision that used to take place when you become a teenager and you are introduced in communal life, meaning you have to be very careful. You're not just an individual, and all of us think that way until the age of 10, 11. It's you. Everything revolves around you. And then suddenly you are faced with the painful reality of life being essentially communitarian. You need a male and a female. And we hear in that passage about the one who has a discharge or an emission of semen, that person becomes unclean. Try to explain this to the Puritan 
NATO people, East and West and North and South. It's impossible nowadays. Why? Because you want to perceive everything from your own perspective that you hide uh, philosophically under the name narrative nowadays. That's not how you listen to the Bible. The Bible was written for people of those times and you have to try to understand it. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.